0: i'm rosanna and this is afl obsessed how are you guys i know there was just one afl game on the weekend the last and grand final of the season but it certainly felt like a lifetime of games to get to this moment for melbourne sports is just the gift that keeps on giving i'm not sure that's grammatically accurate but it's the gift that maybe we all and that I really need during a pandemic. I had no idea what I was in for or heading into the weekend, but I feel like a different person coming out the other end of it because I had three, are you kidding me in all caps moments last weekend, genuine brain bang type of moves and play all courtesy of sport. And you guys know that I predicted Melbourne to win. Hardly a hot take, considering they were the best team in the comp all year. But that doesn't typically happen, where they'll win. And in my last epi, I did say that I wouldn't be disappointed if either team won the flag. But I was pulling a little harder for Melbourne because of their drought and everything that they've been through as a club. We'll talk more about that later, but it was so worth seeing Neil Danaher in this photo that's circulating on socials. I don't know if you guys have seen it. I'm sure all of you have of him just beaming with his scarf on standing next to his TV as the team is posing for the cup. So with the premieres on screen, I'm elated for him especially. And I just wish that he could have been there for that moment. But I know that he was every bit as happy as everyone that was there on the field. But they have been through so much. And I do feel a connection to this team, too. This team, especially, since I'll never forget I saw them play in person at the Anzac Eve game in 2019 in Melbourne. So, Richmond versus Melbourne. And yeah, I'll have to drop some pics on my Insta stories because I was kind of reliving a few of those videos and moments following the game and also in the lead up. But yes. The game itself was absolutely worth the wait in the lead up. I mean, I've never been more interested in a Brownlow awards ceremony. (laughs) I was just watching like the mesmerizing drone footage of Optus Stadium on a loop of these like eye popping visuals of Perth before the game because we had such a long wait but let's get to it and just dive into the opening overture of my overall thoughts on the week and where we're at now in NYC and Australia. This weekend honestly felt like absolute scenes. We had perfectly sunny weather over here and I just felt like everyone wanted to be outside, as did I. (laughs) We're all just like big kids here waiting for recess and there was such great people watching. (laughs) I saw a bag piping, I mean I guess a Pipe (laughs) band performing in the street, like in this little ensemble. And I saw a woman just kind of wearing some Disney ears around. She was just rocking them. Everybody's out here, you know, living their best life, and I'm here for it. And I feel the same way too. So on Saturday, my friend Michelle did a pop up with a retailer here, Madewell. I feel like I've seen it in David Jones over in Australia. I could be hallucinating. But she has a candle company, and they did this gorgeous setup in the bungalow, which is this little part near Battery Park in Lower Manhattan. Um, Yeah, just this outdoor space, and Andrew said it kind of reminded him of the St. Kilda row houses. And then I had lunch with him afterwards, so it was just this wonderful afternoon, and... It's nice because I guess we just haven't been super social. I can actually count how many people we've hung out with since we got back. And it's been seven total, I think, since April. So, yeah. And on Sunday, our friends actually, different friends, had a baby during the pandemic. And I finally got to meet her. Honestly... They said it's like time travel and i had like a little bit of an emotional moment (laughs) because you know we missed everything up until that point but we had this amazing picnic in the park and there was like a glockenspieler (laughs) playing on the street but yeah hopefully we can just hang on to this amazingly beautiful gorgeous weather this autumn and Today it's not that it's actually kind of rainy and a little bit dismal, but hopefully going forward we'll have more of these like moments. As for what's going on in Melbourne, I gotta admit, (laughs) Melbourne, I'm looking at you, I wasn't expecting those protests. You know, I think I saw three different ones in the last week, but listen, I get it. You know, there comes a point when it's like you're over it and you just kind of want to resume your daily activities. I always wondered why golf courses couldn't be open because I feel like that's a easily socially distanced sport, but for everyone to kind of with their mental health. But yeah, I think I read also in the Herald Sun too, that Melbourne has officially become the most lockdown city on the planet. I think your vaccine percentages are going up. I just hope that changes are around the corner for everyone. And I do think about you often and I'm just hugging you all extra tightly Um, And I'm really glad that you got that Melbourne victory too, Um, and hopefully next year you'll be able to see it in person. As for WA though, Perth put on a show for the grand final. I'm looking forward to diving into the game obviously a little bit more, but... You know, wherever you are in the world, let me know how you're doing. You guys know that I'm always here for you. And AFL Footy Obsessed at Gmail if you want to chat, and AFL Obsessed on Twitter, Insta, and Facebook too, for just kind of some quicker (laughs) DMs and responses. But now let's get to Footy and just on to act one with AFL headlines and highlights. The game was just so pivotal. There were so many moments, guys, that were just jaw-dropping, and we made it to the grand final, is all I really have to say. (laughs) Melbourne versus the Western Bulldogs. So the game started at a more civilized hour for us at 5 in the morning, (laughs) instead of, you know, the typical after midnight to 4 a.m., and it was on our cable programming, so we got to watch it on TV. So we got up really early to see and I just have to say right off the bat that the American Broadcasting uh, censored the national anthem, (laughs) which I was kind of offended. It's a beautiful anthem, but I wasn't expecting that. In sidebar, I will say I thought it was accidental, but it was definitely intentional. Um, I noticed that the broadcast would mute as soon as the quarters ended. So I wasn't able to get any of the dissection of play or like the lab calls unless I kind of use my own subscription for watch AFL. So I'm side eyeing whoever was in charge of that. But anyway, back to the game. The game was insane. I, oh my gosh, completely unpredictable guys. The best kinds of games there are. And this was just a battle for everyone out there who loves AFL. I'm sure anyone who was new to the sport would feel the same way. Every single quarter was drastically different in this game. And the momentum shift was a polar opposite every time. So one team was ahead and then the other one would take over the next quarter. And then there was a point in the third quarter where it just looked like the Bulldogs were breaking away and potentially sealing the deal. And I wasn't breathing at that point. So <laughs> Andrew and I just kept looking at each other and saying like, all it takes is just one player, one moment. You know, They just need that special spark to ignite and just reinvigorate the team. And Bailey Fritch was the spark that exploded. He was that moment where he just threw the gears in the other direction with such a force that it felt like it just cracked or some kind of like fissure that like cracked everything and the game wide open at that point. And Melbourne had a lot of behinds to start with, but as much as they missed at the beginning, they couldn't miss towards the end to just kick goal after goal after goal. Against the most stacked midfield in the comp, just blasting the ball out of that center. I mean, there's just so many things I could say about, you know, Petraka and Oliver and Langdon, and then Bailey Fritch just kind of killing it on his end, and Ben Brown standing up too. So much applause. Honestly, that moment of that crack reminded me of two different things. <laughs> so one. There's this poem about Australia, (laughs) I know, just work with me here, guys, by Dorothea McKellar, and it's called My Country. And it just reminded me of this line from the poem. I'm just going to go over a part of it where she says, I love a sunburnt country, a land of sweeping plains, of ragged mountain ranges, of droughts and flooding rains. And all I kept thinking about (laughs) during that moment was, that last line, it was like the drought ended for Melbourne and they flooded the field with these endless goals of this like endless rain of tears from everyone in the, you know, club and their history, everyone involved with the club, all of their members. But people that weren't part of the club were getting emotional too. Like I really felt that emotion because I feel like Andrew and I were getting really like, you know, there, there were some like moments where i was like wow i'm getting really emotional this isn't even my club you know and the other thing it really reminded me of i used to live in colorado and i will never forget the first time i ever heard this blast and it sounded like a wartime scenario i was in bed it was really early in the morning and i just shot up in bed the worst way to wake up because it's in a panic and i'd never heard it before And it was a cannon blasting. So cannon blasting is used to prevent avalanches. It's this sound because I was so close to the like point of impact, I guess, or the point that they launched these cannons. It just resonates in your soul, like this big bang. And it honestly makes your heart stop. And that's what happened to Melbourne. You know, I feel like a lot of times in finals, Once a team realizes they can't win when the other, you know, when their opponents get so far ahead, they just kind of wither. And towards the end of the game, obviously, this was like, you know, at the end of the third quarter. All throughout the final quarter, they just kept kicking goals. And we messaged one of our friends who is a Melbourne member. And his reaction was killing me because we were like, I just kept saying, you know, Andrew, you got to like message him. They're going to win. Oh, my gosh, is this so great? And the response was literally, yes, period. We have a chance, period. (laughs) I mean, if that isn't the seasoned and tempered measured expectations of you know, a Melbourne supporter. I don't know what is, but yeah, they absolutely buried their curse in Perth. But I just want to talk about like the way they celebrated with the fans afterwards, after the game, you know, I'm so happy for Hibbard, especially he kind of ran away with a cop and the team was making confetti angels and Gary Lyon got to, you know, bring over the cop, which was just a wonderful moment. And then later on, when they finally left the field, there were all these new scenes following with, you know, Goody on Ghani's shoulders (laughs) kind of partying and Pachaka DJing. You know what, team? Absolutely party like you're about to leave your car indefinitely parked at the G. (laughs) You know what I mean? You have earned it. And I think Luke Jackson's birthday is happening. And there was also a huge milestone moment for one of the players. It was his 150th. So what a great way to go out. I think that one is actually, I want to say for Todd Viney. So I'm sorry, Jack Viney. (laughs) I'm picturing his dad, but it's um, Jack Viney. So 57 years, guys, you did it. I do just want to bring up Western Bulldogs and how valiantly, you know, they fought all season. They did really, really amazingly in parts of the game, too. There was a moment. Though I felt like with the 666 rule in place, I'm sure you all felt this way. You know, they couldn't put loose players in the back in defense from the center square bounce to kind of stop the other team from scoring, and I think that that really affected the rest of the gameplay. And then the D's kind of ran away with it, but. All applause and props to the Western Bulldogs and everybody involved in that club, too. You had a tremendous season, and I know you're going to have really great future seasons to come. As for headlines, the only one that I really had was Robbo from AFL 360. If you guys have been like me, I think we've been just wondering where he's been because he kind of disappeared quite a few rounds ago, and I know that Andrew and I kept saying does he have COVID is he okay but he came out for their last um well he was on TV I love how they actually place a TV screen in a chair <laughs> um for anyone who's not there so it feels like they're still sitting with them but he came on to talk with Jared and just basically said he had emergency open heart surgery so all the best with recovery to Robo, and he is planning to make a comeback next season But yeah, tell me what you guys think. What did you think of the game? (laughs) My email is aflfootyobsessed at gmail and aflobsessed on the socials. And don't forget, you can actually leave me a voicemail on Anchor too if you want. You can check the show notes and I'll play it in a future epi. Okay, it's intermission. So during this time, let's cut away to other sports. In the NFL... The Ravens versus Lions game. I don't know if you guys saw this, but we happened to have the TV on all weekend. The longest field goal in NFL history. So Justin Tucker is their most, well, the most, I feel, dependable kicker in the comp and arguably the most successful. He had a 66-yard kick for this improbable field goal to help the Ravens win. The game was like three seconds left and obviously props to Lamar Jackson, who I just adore for setting that all up for him. If only, you know, I feel like maybe they're taking more cues from the AFL. I don't know, because they certainly can kick quite a distance, but that was a really great moment if you guys missed it. And in college football, I just got to shout out Michigan State. They're now 4-0 for the season. Another what is happening moment. But they won in overtime with a field goal. And in Formula 1, I just have to shout out Lewis Hamilton. He shattered another record. And he now has 100 (laughs) trophies, 100 wins under his belt. And I'm just so proud of him for Kind of changing the sport. I love anybody who kind of comes in and just makes it their own. So that's a really, really exciting thing. But as for more of this, guys, I just have to shout out Josh Bruce. um, Juice from the Western Bulldogs. He was not with the rest of the team in Perth because he's been doing his rehab. He had an injury that sidelined him, and everyone was devastated, me included. I don't know a person who doesn't love him. But he was in the club assisting them with shipping packages of all the merch orders that the club was absolutely flooded with before the grand final. And he was literally sitting at a table packaging and helping them. He's a total club man. I love his energy and vibe and just mad props to the way the players are, but especially how they rally for their members and what they do off the field, too. And now we're on to act two, where we have discussions about relevant footy topics and issues. So let's talk about Melbourne again. Okay. They have endured a lot of tragedy. I would say they are, we've discussed this before. I want to say as far back as episode two, I know we talked about them. They are one of the world's oldest professional clubs of any football code, I want to say they are the oldest, but they have this rich culture and this storied history. And among them, there's been tragedies and trials and tribulations, really. So they've been through it as a club and they almost went out of business in the late 90s. There were all of these merger talks. And then Joseph Gutnick actually put $3 million of his own money into the club to keep it running. And in 2004, Troy Broadbridge, who was a player that I remember reading about way before I followed the sport, he was on his honeymoon in Thailand and he got swept away in the tsunami but his wife actually survived. So that was just this traumatizing thing that I hope, you know, no one has to go through. And I remember reading about that and just being so completely shocked by that and just knowing that that's part of like their history too. And then I think it was 2009. So they got done for tanking, (laughs) deliberately tanking. They were faking injuries and kind of deliberately playing players out of position. The players were not involved in this like scheme in the greater scope of things. They weren't intentionally trying to lose, but it was the coaches that were trying to have them lose so they could get better draft picks. And they were actually fined by the AFL for a record $500,000. And I think a former coach and coach lieutenant were suspended for just their roles in the saga, but it was a pretty big deal at the time. And Jim Steins, I feel like his name is just so revered and every time I hear it, you know, I just always think of all of his contributions to the game. So he's basically like a cult figure at Melbourne. He's one of the game's actually most prominent figures. He is an Irish player who converted from Gaelic football to Aussie rules and he was a, you know, a great player for them. He Did a lot of charity work following the game. He became president of Melbourne. And then he found out that he had cancer. And it was kind of a quick turnaround. um, Fighting the battle, he died in 2012 and he was only 45. So he was given actually a state funeral for all of his contributions to Victoria. And Andrew actually said that he spoke at his school. He remembers him being there for a school assembly. And then there's everything that's happened with, you know, Neil Danaher, who we've talked about great length. So just you can't help but feel that they have been through so much over the years and they've just done, you know, they've done everything. I guess, that they could to kind of get to this point following all of this tragedy. And it's been a while since they've made an appearance. So I'm just really proud of the team. I'm happy for the club. And I'm just really glad that they got this moment too. And also that there could be, you know, any fans at the actual game. I don't know if we talked about just how great they were with the Perth fans and anybody from Western Australia, because that's where we've talked about the grand final ended up happening, but I'm just so happy for them. And I mean, it's, it's got to make you smile, you know? And one of my favorite parts, too, of the grand final, I just have to pivot a little bit. Someone that I considered to be a great ambassador of the sport. I want to talk about Daisy Pierce, guys. She is an absolute star on so many levels. She's an AFLW star and she's an AFL commentator. I've always been a huge fan of hers since I came into the sport and just kind of learned about it. But she made history on the weekend. So she became the first woman to provide special comments on Channel 7's broadcast of the grand final. And she's just the first woman to do so on the game's biggest day. I feel like she really shined at the grand final. She also plays for the D's and the AFLW. So that was just so special, I think, to share that moment with her club. But yeah, Daisy just handles it all. She that was, you know, the biggest moment of her commentary career, but also for us. So as I said, anything to kind of change and shape or be a part of the social or the sports media landscape. You know, she's absolutely a star off the field. And when it came to coverage that day. And she also won the Best Opinion Analysis Award at the 2021 Australian Football Media Association Awards. So major applause to her for that. But I'm just so happy to see someone shine who is so deserving and also got to share that moment with her team. But now we're in the after show where I'm just looking forward to the draft and trades and AFLW. <laughs> my plan for the offseason is that I've got quite a few documentaries to watch. And just catching up on my, you know, Netflix, Hulu, and Disney Plus queues, I think. Feel free to tell me what you're watching and reading and what you're listening to. I gotta say the Gabby Petito case, I know that has kind of engrossed the nation and globally. And I know there's other people that are missing and we've got to focus on that too. And I think we need to use our resources on everyone else and not just focus solely on this case, which is why I kind of didn't want to mention it previously. But, you know, I just want to make sure that we do kind of point out individuals of other races too, that maybe don't look like her. But with this case in particular, I cannot help but feel like it is close to home in a way. It resonates with me in this crazy way to the point where, honestly, I was shook when I heard about it. So she traveled with her fiancé. They started in New York and they went on this southwest and um, northwest journey, which honestly mimicked Andrew and my's journey when we went to the west. And They went from their journey, honestly, from Utah to Wyoming was like the exact way that we went. So that was really crazy. And the place that they were kind of found at a restaurant to have like, I guess, an argument was right where we went every single day. We went to the actual, it's right next door to it when we were in Jackson Hole. The entire time we were there, we loved this restaurant and it was this barbecue restaurant. So we were standing there pretty much every single day when we were there. So you know, just they had a similar type of adventure. I guess we were just not, you know, we weren't living in a van and rough in it the whole time camping. But just thinking about how they were at all our favorite places and where we were just months ago just is one of those things where I I haven't been able to like comprehend it. And I just really hope, you know, that they find him and that everything can kind of we can also figure out like what happened to her. But I do hope that if any of you are struggling, you know, that you are finding things that make you smile. I know it can be so hard right now, and I hope you're finding ways to hold on to hope during these times. Just an FYI, I am taking a couple of weeks off to sleep, rest, and repeat, guys, before we start season three. So there's quite a few epies and interviews to go through if you, you, know, if you're new and you want to hear my perspective or you just want to go back and <laughs> listen to the fun stories. And honestly, I'm also going to be using that time to just bump all my socials. I know you guys know that I have a photo dump ready for Facebook and Insta and I've got all these corresponding pod pics that I just need time to sort all of that out. So in the meantime, I'll be seeing you on the socials. I'm absolutely still here for you and I'm not going away. So I'll be here for you in the off season and we'll get through it together. But thanks, guys, for sharing a part of your day and the entire season with me and for keeping me company. So hopefully I'm doing that for a part of your day. But that's it for me, guys. Thanks for listening, rating and subscribing. And thanks for hanging around for the show. Stay safe and healthy, guys. Check on your friends and neighbors. We'll get through this like the entire AFL season. I'm virtually hugging all of you and we'll talk footy soon.